everybody. Kel Weinhold from The Professor is in. A quick note before this podcast. This is a previous episode brought forward from the archives because we think it is relevant to today. So if you notice any discrepancies, in particular the lightness in our voices uh, compared to how they may sound, that's why. And also a reminder that the podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So if you have not become a supporting member of the podcast, we invite you to. You can do that at bit.ly slash ourpod, B-I-T dot L-Y slash O-U-R-P-O-D. And for $3.99 a month, that gives you access to a private community where you can chat with us and watch the podcast live and all sorts of other treats. So I hope you join us. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Facebook Live for the Professor is In series. Yeah, so today, as promised, the theme is how, how to keep going when you feel like giving up. And, um, but before we get to that, I do want to pause and say that our motivation, as you know, um, for starting this was to, to maintain, help you maintain productivity in the face of this political turmoil. And so on that note, we want to um, really pause and tell you, call your representative. We do this, this thing here, we do for two reasons. We do to make sure that you feel supported and that you have allies and that you know there is somebody on your side. And we also do this because we, all, every day in our lives, do significant political activism and we are constantly trying to figure out how to be productive and do that and we want to challenge you to step up and do that mm-hmm. and if you if you have the privilege to be complacent know that it is a privilege that you mm-hmm. are taking and do, well don't take it don't be complacent okay that lecture is now complete uh, one more thing it is june therefore it is pride month and yesterday on twitter if you are on twitter and you are queer or you would like to have more queer voices in your feed check out rainbow roll call hashtag rainbow roll call mm-hmm. just awesome shit really awesome to see all the academics <laughs> and and it, i very very sorry i can't remember who who started it um i mm-hmm. saw it i saw it through stephanie mckillop but i don't mm-hmm. know where it started and mm-hmm. it's just great so if you just want a little bit of happy juice and see all the people out there working do check it out so today we're going to talk about um what to do when you feel like giving up and when you want to quit. And Barbara, I noticed um, that you commented about um, the sort of the, the challenges that women of color face in the academy and, and that, that how much the overwhelming to desire to, to give up when you are part of a community that is, is shoved to the edges of the academy. So the academy is attempting to push you to the margins Obviously, you're not marginalized. You're in the center of your world, but there, there's an attempt to do that. So, so we'll talk a little bit about um, that today. But I do want to acknowledge that the levels of the d- desire to quit can can very much come from external forces, and we're going to talk about the internal forces that you can control and things that you can do about it. So, mm-hmm. Karen's going to. Keep- and it's a good point. It's a good moment to just reiterate, especially for white viewers, that um, the level of harassment and abuse of uh, people of color in the academy, especially women of color, is just cannot be overstated. And so really 
educate yourselves about this and make sure that you're part of the solution, not part of the problem, whatever that means for your field, your department, your campus and climate. Yeah, we all need to step up. So Karen's going to kick off. We're going to we're going to go. We're, we have this sort of separated into three parts today. We'll kick off talking Karen talking about uh, a blog post that she did mm -hmm. a couple years ago, and then we're going to move on to uh, Martha Beck, who's a PhD out of Harvard, um, who writes a lot about following your own path, and then move on to um, some words of wisdom from a, a mountaineer um, who has uh, been part of, of summiting Everest at least once, but, mm -hmm. but is, a, is a woman who, mm -hmm. a very small woman who does very big things. And, <laughs> and, um, and I think that it's a great, she's a great, she has some great ideas that were about how to keep going when you really feel like you want to quit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, that's being organized and getting I know, a roadmap to what we're going to do instead of just... <laughs> something's sure to go to shit because <laughs> you're never this organized. Way. Anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, so we brought you here um, to talk about what to do uh, when you feel like quitting, and now we're going to start with perhaps a little bit of a bait and switch and say, uh, first of all, it is okay to quit. It is okay to quit. You can quit. And in fact, um, when I created the um, Professors in website, and this is a whole bunch of years ago, it was 2011, I think in 2011, but at the very latest in 2012. I put up a post that immediately we made into a page. In other words, it's right there on the front page. You go to the professor's in, and right there at the top, one of the like seven categories is it's okay. It's okay to quit. It is okay to quit. And that post gets so much. That page gets so much play and so many comments and so many re responses, private responses as well, not just on the blog. Um, from people who really need to hear that message because there are so many messages telling you it is not okay to quit. But there is a lot about the academy that um, a person might want to reject. <laughs> and um, it can be many things. It can be the fact that um, just the economic uh, foundation of it is such that uh, the vast majority of people cannot get decent, dignified, secure paying work. And, um, and that's an excellent reason to quit. And there are other reasons as well, even people who ha do have the good jobs and are on the tenure track or tenured, even have you know, the, the security of tenure, uh, quit because they're sick of the uh, pretenses of the academy, the, the, the mythologizations of the, mythologies of the academy, the idea that we think, yeah, I know, I did, mythologizations. Yeah, we need that. Because yeah. um, <laughs> we need words, more we multisyllabic words. Yeah. Um, that where there's a simpler alternative, but we're going to replace it. Anyway, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the racism, the sexism, the capitulation to market forces, uh, the lack of service, uh, the lack of focus on teaching, the lack of service to the students. There are many, many good reasons to quit. And, uh, and I, uh, but to get, bring us a little bit more directly to what we're going to talk about today, it may be that you sit to do your work, your dissertation, your article, your book, and you really think, wow. Uh, given the crisis that we're in right now, this thing I'm writing is not that important. That may be your reason to quit. And so I want to make sure that you, or we want to make sure that you um, honor that uh, and don't crush that down and squelch that down just because you think other people will be disappointed in you like your advisor. 
like your peers in the program, like your parents who are already probably like perhaps ridiculing you <laughs> for the amount of years that you spent in graduate yeah, school. Not everybody. Too many minutes on it's okay. Quick. Okay, so you <laughs> okay. wrap it up. Anyway, yeah. So now I lost my train of thought, though. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, good. Anyhow, so no matter so, what, yeah, she's there's a lot of reasons, yeah. and and don't let other people's motivations. And now Kelly is going to talk about. Don't let other people's opinions stop you from knowing your own motivations. But Kelly's going to talk now about how to know when you need to quit right. or not. So, so, so here's the thing, and you know, one of the things that 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 we get knocked all the time is like, couldn't you say something positive about the academy? Why is it always going to be a critique of the academy? Um, um, we don't hear that very often, but okay. <laughs> well, occasionally we hear it. I mean, I just I got dinged about it just recently, so maybe oh. I'm just. But here's the thing. Clearly, if it's not, if it's not clear, um, we spend a, we devote our lives to helping people be successful in this endeavor. <laughs> we loved our time in the academy. Mm -hmm. We understood its flaws, saw its weaknesses, and continued to. But our greatest wish is that if it's something that you want to do, that we support you in doing it. Our profound understanding after years and years of being in it and watching this go on is that it has a cult quality about it and it tries to make you think and walk alike and talk alike and think alike and be alike and and if you don't fit in and if you don't think that way and if you're struggling just like we talked about last week there's not a lot of tolerance for people who are outside so we just want to make sure that you know we know that okay so the, the, the it's okay to quit part is if you find out that that's just you don't want to do it that's okay and with that said Martha Beck in her one of her books it's either finding your own North Star or staring by starlight she has a uh, a thing that she uses for people to think about what they really like to sit with the things in the moment in the moment right so something's something's being asked of you you're planning something you're going to do something you know you're saying tomorrow I'm going to do X and we are so trained to do what's expected of us, especially women, what's expected of us, what won't disappoint people, what society asks us to do. That she has a um, thing that she has you do that she calls shackles on, shackles off. I'm not real, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with her, the use of her shackles on, shackles off because I think it evokes a particular slavery narrative and, and have yet to find a, um, a replacement. So if you feel like you want to, um, <laughs> if you want to feel like you want to toss in um, a phrase that we could use, but if you think about it as handcuffs on, handcuffs off, bound, not bound, really asking yourself in the moment, does this feel like something that is expansive to me? And that doesn't mean not hard. It just means expansive. It means it feels like a possibility or it feels like a restriction. Does it feel like something that's squeezing you and crushing you and doing you in? So I think that that's a really important thing as you sit down to do it, to begin to ask yourself, how does it feel? Does that feel like that, uh, there's possibility here? And again, that does not mean it's not hard. Mm -hmm. This idea that this is just going to be a skate, that you're going to write a massive document and there aren't going to be pitfalls and nightmares and, and broken-hearted parts of it is just delusional. Mm -hmm. But the question is, does it feel like something you want to do? Mm -hmm. You need two things for motivation, two things. You have to believe that you can do it, and you have to believe that it's worth it. And if you are not working, you have answered no to one of those questions, consciously or unconsciously, you've answered no. Or possibly both. Or possibly both, right? 
So you have to ask yourself, and I work with a lot of people, and they're like, I'm not writing, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And I said, well, do you want to not write the book? And they're like, no, I want to write, this is an important book. It's like, okay, then, so now you have your doing. answer, it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody questions whether they can do it. So that's just kind of, whatever. Of course you can do it. Mm -hmm. It'll take a while, it takes work, it'll be hard, but of course you can do it. So, so really looking at that idea. So ask yourself as you sit down and you want to quit. Like, I just don't want to write this fucking dissertation. I don't. Mm -hmm. Listen to the screaming yeah. voice and turn around and say, is that true? In the last year, there have been a lot of uh, challenges um, in our family life, especially raising two teenagers. And you're listening to you talk, you just reminded me of something that I felt in a very visceral, physical way. This is not in an academic realm. But um, the condition, I'm, I'm the disorganized person, and I don't like to clean. And so even in, when I'm at my best, things are a little bit iffy. But this, but, I, but this was not at my best. I was not at my best over this last year dealing with these teenagers and the home environment. And, I would, and the house was getting more and more and more chaotic, and I think like piles like everywhere. And I would look at them and I would think, I need to deal with these piles, I need to deal with these piles. I would have the strongest, most vivid image of myself as a Tyrannosaurus Rex with tiny little <laughs> arms. And I would experience myself as like, like my arms are too small. I can't reach the piles. And I really actually listened. I beat myself up about that for a really long time. And then eventually I started listening to it. I was like, why are my arms so small? Are my arms really, like, what, what about this is, makes me feel like I'm a Tyrannosaurus Rex? And I realized, you know, I don't know, but do I really care about these piles? No, I'm just going to leave them. And that's what I did. And they're still there. And I stopped worrying about it. Right. Right. Right? <laughs> you just say, this is how I do this. And yeah. I'm going to let it go. And, and so someday I will probably clean up those piles, but it may be five years from now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, not a critical thing. Mm -hmm. So we get hung up in these things that, that, that take us sideways. So, and so thank you. I think that, that, that you guys have a couple of great suggestions. So does that, does, is it inside your own boundaries or does it squeeze you? Mm -hmm. And also, does it expand your space or confine you? And I think that's a really simple way to think about it. Does this expand my space? Does this make me feel expansive? And it doesn't mean that it doesn't make you arms too short to box with God I love that so that's the first question I want the first question that I want you to ask yourself in the mirror right there do I really want to do this if all of the voices start pouring in and I will tell you I'm gonna use a phrase my mother used to use all the time still uses I'm sure don't throw good time after bad money <laughs> right so you sunk a bunch of money into this, you're two years into it, or you're getting paid a chunk of money, or you're doing whatever you're doing, and you look up and go, I don't want to do this. The number of times we stay in the line at the grocery store that isn't moving because, damn it, we've already put X number of minutes in that line, just stop and say, you know, is this worth the line? Should I just move? Am I? So that's the first question. Do I want to do this? If you can't figure out, do I want to do this or not, sit quietly and the voices will scream in. Your mother will come in. You can't quit. We've already spent. But you said you want to. If you find yourself saying, I have to, mm. I have to work with these people. I have to finish this. I have to do that. You can just picture me with my eyebrow raised and saying, she has a better raised eyebrow than I do. 
Um, actually, I have this is much better out of me, so mm -hmm. you can imagine me scowling at you. Um, the only thing you have to do is die. That's the only thing you have to do. Nobody's figured out a way out of that. So you can see it. The rest of it is a choice. And if you can move it over into a choice for yourself and then sit down and sit with that choice and see whether that f choice feels like it is, it is expansive for you or confined you, that's part of the first step in that process. And it's not a question you can ask once. You're not the Buddha. You're not going to sit down and automatically it's going to come to you. You can sit down with that question and reams of information will come in. And mm -hmm. just keep asking the question, where does this feel expansive? Where does it feel constrictive? And how can I change those things? Because sometimes it's not toss the whole PhD program or toss the whole article or toss the job. There are parts about it that are toxic and need to be moved away and moved aside. So, mm -hmm. so that's the first, those are sort of the first two steps in it. Do you really want to do this? And you know, you to write a book, for those of you writing books, you have to have a banner. Karen always talks about mm -hmm. this, right? The whole marching with your yeah, banner. Yeah, yeah. The, the poor benighted people who are so ignorant and suffering from their ignorance and have to be corrected. <laughs> I'm going to put it exactly well, that's always the way I put it because that's always what I thought and it was really motivating right but we're actually going to talk about other motivation we're talking right. about right so then let's talk about you decide you want to do it right this is where we're going to get to Allison Levine who is a is a, a mountaineer and um, she has climbed Everest and um, she had an article that was posted on Oprah.com recently about you know how to keep going when you don't think you can and um, she had several things that, that sort of observations that she made about what it means to climb at that level that I thought, when I read it, I thought this is so applicable to um, academic writing. And it's so applicable to many things, but just because I do academic writing coaching that I really thought about it. So the first one that I thought was just kind of one of those, of course, and I tell this to people all the time, but mm -hmm. she, it's just a different way of putting it. Well, plus she has a vivid image for it. Right is backing up, backing off is not backing down. And what she's talking about and what I really thought that it related to in terms of writing is that when she's talking about if you climb Everest, you go to base camp and then you have to go up and acclimate and come back down and you go up to another place and you acclimate and come back down. People think it's uh, linear. Think you just get, you know, climb to here and then climb to here and then climb to here and then boop, you're at the top. Right. That's actually not what you do. You have the point of a base camp. So as Kelly just said, is that you have to do these little forays that get higher and higher. Right. Because you have to acclimate and it takes a while. I mean, I was surprised to find out. I think it's like a couple months. Uh -huh. It takes a while to do it. And, and the thing that, that, that was really, I think, is really pertinent for, for academic writers is that, you, that no writing is, is wasted and nothing that you put out there, I mean, and what I mean is like put into your keyboard, is wasted if you don't use it. So just because you've gone somewhere with something and you have to come back and go a different way, mm -hmm. none of those are, are failures or, or backtracking or... Mm -hmm or not making it to the summit. Mm -hmm. They are in fact part of making it to the summit. And remember last week we talked about um, if you write, so so, I, so I'll say one thing um, that as we were talking about it, it's writing, sometimes some of us have to write our way to knowing. Mm -hmm. We don't know what we think until we put it down in paper. 
And so you may often, a very common experience, certainly for me, was that I would make my way through a chapter or through a section and discover by the end that I had proved a different point than I had set out to prove and realized that the point I had proven was the one I wanted to. And so where, and that meant that the intro where I laid out where I was going was actually totally inaccurate and incorrect and needed to be rewritten. And some of the intermediate points also needed to be totally reoriented to reach a different conclusion. And, um, and so that is not wasted. And so, and, and so last, writing is not linear. You don't start here and, and climb, 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 climb and reach the top of Everest. It's not linear. But um, last time we gave you a very specific tool and I want to reiterate it today. Whenever you discover that, don't in a flurry of shame, don't delete it. Just take it out and stick it in a special file where you keep your temporarily displaced, displaced <laughs> text, temporarily your homeless text and give it a home but just not in that document. And it won't be wasted. And, and, and again, you may look at it a couple weeks later and say, oh my gosh, I could never have used that. That was, that's not even the same, that's not relevant at all. And you'll know that when you need to know it. But, and, and the most, I, 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 the clients I work with, I hear this a lot. It's like, I wrote this whole chapter and I'm not even gonna use it. It was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. No, you're totally gonna use you it. You could not, well, first of all, even oh, if you right. never use No, you're totally right, that's your point. And the better point is that you cannot, you could not get mm -hmm. to knowing that it didn't belong until you went up the mountain to the next level and acclimated and saw the view and came back down and say, oh, good grief. I see. This is not the path to the completion of this, this thing. This is how I need to do it. I get mm -hmm. it now. Where we get into, and, and I think Brienne said further back, the academy <laughs> It, it has this psychotic thing, right? Like it's 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 this complex intellectual pro project. Well, it's completely simplistic. You just sit down and write an art book, and the, you know there's this idea that it's a, just a start, go, finish, and it's just not that. So, so just keep thinking of the island of misfit toys. Right. <laughs> I, oh, I think we should sing our song and that song every time you put it over. Just put that over there. Anyway, sorry. Misfit text. So, misfit text. We can somebody make a meme. Yeah. Um, okay. So the second thing is, <laughs> commenting feels like passing notes during the lecture. That's really funny. So that's the first thing. Backing down oh, and but, is not but, backing off. But and then so Kelly's point is the one that we really want to make for productivity purposes. My point as the professor is in utterly completely focused on pragmatism and sort of instrumentalizing every single thing you do to achieve a certain goal is um, you probably can use that chapter if you if you weren't able to sit, fit it into your dissertation very very good chance that with a you know massaging the intro and massaging the conclusion thinking it through that will become a journal article yeah, so, so it's not wasted. please it's not wasted. please please I never thought of I mean everything is usable somewhere yeah for yeah. the most part all right. So the second thing that she talks about is giving 150% to one thing. You know, I could argue with the 150% thing, but I think that 100% is adequate and I think people overdo it and I think people stress themselves out and I'm not really down with her whole 150% thing. But I do think her point that you focus on the thing you're doing when you're doing it. Mm -hmm. One of the things, especially with social media that happens now is that we're doing 25 things. So one of the key, one of the recommendations I make, if you haven't heard about it before, it's called the Freedom App. 
Um, and the Freedom app turns off particular things for an amount of time. Mm -hmm. So when you sit down, block out the time you write on your calendar, devote it like you do a doctor's appointment or any other appointment, keep that, set the boundaries, and then turn shit off mm -hmm. so you are focused 100% on that. Mm -hmm. What we try to do is everything to everybody all the mm -hmm. time, and we do everything poorly and feel really crappy. Mm -hmm. So. When you're home with your family, devote it to your home and your family. Mm -hmm. When you're in, in front of your computer and it's time to write, devote it to that. Mm -hmm. When you want to go play on Facebook and tweet things at us or anything else, do that. Mm -hmm. But all the research shows a, a single interruption takes you off track for 25 minutes. <laughs> 25 <laughs> minutes. This you sit down to look at your article, anything. you're a paragraph in, you go, ah, Facebook, you're half an hour before you're back mm. into that thought again. So I have to tell you, I just read a um, an interview with Naomi Klein in The Guardian, I think it was. You can find it. Uh, she has a new book out. Uh, she rushed it out because it, she's trying to save the world from Trump, and uh, specifically in response to Trump. And um, she said that basically she used the Freedom App. Yeah. She said, plug, right in the interview. She said, I used the Freedom App. I turned off social media mm -hmm. and the interviewer is like yes but how did you respond to this this and this and she said basically I just didn't hear about it right um, I basically understood what the basic problem was <laughs> you know had enough information to go on turned off social media she said I could either spend my time and she had a very funny turn of phrase she said being snippy with people on social media or I could write a book right right and um, so she wrote a book so it's just out right this month I think and um, that's a, an example of how people, you know, you can make that choice. And, and you know, I'll say that... The, I I'm, would per, I'm more often snippy on social media, but, you know. <laughs> and this, the Unstuck group that I'm working with right now, um, we're talking about focusing on what you're doing. And, and uh, several people mentioned in the Facebook group that they didn't watch the Comey hearings because mm -hmm. they were scheduled to write at that time. And wow. guess what? The Comey hearings will still be there. Hmm. And the commentary will still be there when the Comey hearings are over. Mm -hmm. So... So just make sure that you're setting those limits. Mm -hmm. um, Fear is a motivator. The other thing she talks about is um, to 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 bef basically it's don't be afraid of your fear. Mm -hmm. Befriend your fear. Mm -hmm. What happens with fear is that we it paralyzes us. We get afraid and we freeze because there's fight, flight, or freeze. The way so fear is your non-language part of your brain. Your that old lizard, you know, reptilian part of your brain. The minute you bring language into the equation, it calms it down. So if you can, if you feel that fear and acknowledge it and say, this is, oh wow, I'm really afraid or I'm really worried about this, talk to it, you can use it to drive you. What happens is people say, I'm never gonna finish this. Oh my God, I'm never gonna finish this. That means I'm never gonna have an, I don't have a publication. I'm gonna go on the job market. I'm not gonna have a job publication. I'm not gonna get a job. I'm gonna end up homeless in a van down by the river. Mm -hmm. So you, so you're all the way in the van with with the motivation of God. Oh my God, what was that guy's name? Anyway, on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the character. Yeah, but anyway, um, Chris Farley played a yeah. character. We are can, clearly like all over the map today. So, <laughs> the river. so, so, but the thing is, that's what happens with fear, right? Mm -hmm. You just have like you, you're in a paragraph in your article, and something bumps you, and you're like, Hah! and fear runs. What has to happen is use that fear to get you where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can go back to her Everest. You can use that um, Everest metaphor. You know, you start up there, and it gets scary. It gets mm -hmm. scary. Your life is on the line. Mm -hmm. You'll die if you stop. Mm -hmm. So 
understanding I need to keep going. I need to not let fear overtake mm-hmm. me. So, so Well, look. and fear being something that can be productive in yes. the sense that, for example, if you think about the climb of Everest, I'm, I'm not a climber, but, you know, a fear, well, how, uh, you know, is going to motivate you to make really, to really do a lot of research, to find out what equipment you need, to make sure you have the very best equipment, to test the equipment, to educate yourself. And, and I think that it, fear can be a really good motivator to, um, you know, if, as, long as, you're, as long as you're working with it, to be able to, to really say, um, you know, well, what do I need? What do I really need to do right. to make this work? Instead right. of a fantasy, oh, I'm going to spout words and everybody's going to fall at my feet, which, I mean, not everybody has that issue, but, you know, maybe you might have a fantasy of that sometimes late at night. And it's really like, no, wow, things could go really wrong. So let me try to figure out what uh, what what are the best steps I can make uh, take to make it go right? Mm-hmm. But and then the other thing we wanted to talk about is isn't just fear. So she only wrote about fear, but we started talking about how a range of emotions can be useful. Mm-hmm. And that I have a whole blog post, one of the very first I ever wrote on anger <laughs> as a motivator. And um, and anger is a tremendous. I have all my whole life long I've found anger to be a tremendously good motivator. And uh, as long as you really uh, harness it to use it constructively, to be clear who you're angry with and why, and what is real, what is reasonable, and then what falls into something that is either destructive to yourself or destructive to others. But anger, you know, this, God damn it, what the hell? Why do people not know this thing? This is ridiculous. They need to know this thing. And I have to set this record straight. I, I think that motivates quite a bit of research in the humanities and social sciences in particular. And I would also say for, for people who are feeling um, elbowed to the margins by the academy, that that kind of rage can be a very good motivator um, <laughs> if, you, if you constantly use it as a resistance to the kind of bullshit that you get. I think that, that it's very easy to do. And, Certainly, I've been in this position more than a few times in my life of letting my anger turn into sort of self-righteous victim instead of instead of taking that and using it as self-righteous, um, uh, su- you know, success. So, mm-hmm. so, so really thinking about it, it. And and you're right. Anger is an energy, and to and energy m- moves. It it has a force, and it moves whether it's. Mm-hmm. Whether it's moving a ball or it's moving your energy, your emotion, and using that out and not mm-hmm. at you is an incredibly important tool there. Yes, and it's, it's gendered because I, I have actually talked about this at workshops before, particularly, and when, when the workshops are particularly small and with women, women will say something like, well, anger, you know, but anger is very bad. You know, anger, anger is not healthy. And I'm like, no. I, I think that women are told are really, really given messages that anger in women is inappropriate and unattractive and something to repress. And it is and and, and I just really want to challenge that idea. There is a lot of righteous anger that a person can have. And for many, many people that righteous anger is actually what motivated them to come to the academy in the first place. And so the academy is tricky. So tricky. When I work with grad students one of the biggest problems working with a young grad student, particularly at the master's level, is they didn't know the difference between a polemic and an, arg- and an argument. And so they took their anger and they went up on a soapbox and they wrote pages and pages and pages of finger-wagging, self-righteous, you know, uh, polemic. 
And I'm like, that, okay, that's, I understand where you're coming from, but that's not an academic argument. You actually have to use a methodology. You have to use theory. You have to construct an argument, reach a conclusion, and allow the reader to, to use that to draw their own conclusions. And so, so, so the academy can take your anger, and then it demands that you harness it into a fairly rigid structure. And not everybody's willing to do that, and that's fine. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. By any, you know, fine. But if you're going to stay in the academy, there is um, a certain there are constraints around how you how you make this thing work that we're talking about right now. And on the entire other end, somebody just asked me asked us about boredom. What if you're just bored with your product oh, yeah. project? Um, there is no way if you finished your dissertation and you were going on to and you got a tenured position or you got a VAP or you're adjunct and you're trying to get an article out, there's no way you're not bored with that thing. There's just no way. I mean, you're, you've done it forever. You're bored. Even in the middle of it, you're bored. Nobody said you weren't going to be bored. Mm -hmm. Nobody said it wasn't going to be hard. Nobody said it was going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Nobody said that people would like it. Nobody said any of those things. All they said is you have to write a PhD. You have to write a dissertation to get a PhD. So the boredom then becomes that motivator. You have to go back to that question. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. And then is it, the if it's worth it, mm -hmm. then you do it. And it's, this is a, nobody said this was going to be a party. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is not just the academy. There's a whole bunch of places in, in work where we just have to do the time to get to where we want to get. And, mm -hmm. and the reality of the academy is that to, you have to do the time with the dissertation and then with your publications to get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. You choose whether you want to go there. You are in the driver's seat in terms of what you produce. And we love to just pop out to another edge and say, they're making me do this. No, it's you, right? Um, oh, my God. We can't even... We've done a bunch of these on imposter syndrome, so I can't answer the imposter syndrome question really Not today. easily. Not and today. Look out for way over time oh, we way are. Time. Okay, wait. There's one last thing that Levine had to say. Do you remember I what it was? I do not. I got oh, I know. fear and mm. I can't remember. Never mind. We'll do it some other time. It's too complicated. We're <laughs> 10 minutes over. So any <laughs> other quick questions? So And um, uh, St. George slaying the dragon. Marvelous image. So listen to me. The fear of being an imposter not worthy. Were you accepted to the PhD? Well, did you fit? If you finish with a PhD and you've... And you've um, and do you've, they give charity PhDs? Did you finish the PhD and now you are doing what? Look at facts. The the key, the the the, the inoculation for uh, imposter syndrome is facts. Look at the facts. You were you were accepted. You know how to write. You're getting whatever grades. You finished your PhD. You got a job. Look at the facts. You I know that you think you're super special, but you did not trick all of those people. They're <laughs> not. You're not that good. Right. You're not able to fake mm -hmm. all of this so well mm -hmm. that I know that you feel like they're going to find out any minute. But how about you just find out that you actually do belong here and know what you're doing? Okay. <laughs> I got one of those charity PhDs. <laughs> sure you did. Sure yeah. you did. Uh huh. Okay. So, first question: Do I really want to do this? And it's okay if you don't. Not sure? Ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Does it feel confining or does it feel expansive? Do you feel squeezed and unhappy? And that doesn't mean sometimes you're unhappy and it's hard, but it just doesn't feel like you. Uh, there's possibility here. Those, the, that thing right there. Are your arms too short to reach the keyboard? Because <laughs> you're a T-Rex. That's what she's talking about is being a T-Rex. She then her inability to pick things up. So, and the other thing is that, do I want to do it? Does it? feel like the, if you don't know then that 
check it out, see how it feels. And then finally, it's okay. It's going to take up and back and out and back. And it it's a, it's a up and down process. Not linear. It's not linear. Devote 100% of your attention to the things you're in. Don't scatter them all over the place. Look at the Freedom app and harness, use that emotion. Once you decide to do it, use those emotions to move you forward, not to beat you up. So get them out and productive rather than internal and demoralizing. Mm -hmm. And anybody who tells you otherwise, who undermines you, who says, are you sure, get rid of them. And next week, Karen doesn't know this, but I just wrote a whole post on it for Unstuck, so we're going to do it. Next week, we're going to talk about what to do with crazy makers. Oh. Okay? Mm. What to do mm. What to do with crazy makers. And that's everything from advisors <laughs> to mothers. colleagues to mothers. Um, <laughs> not talking about mine. Mm, I'm talking about Kelly's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just what what to do with crazy makers and how and so all of you asking these questions about what to do with an advisor who does x y and z or colleagues who do x y and z and or just stupid ass people out there mm -hmm. um we'll talk about that next week so to reiterate your job right now as payment for this free 40 minutes of our time mm -hmm. is that you yeah get on the phone and call your representative mm -hmm. about health care mm -hmm. your other job is that it is june and it is pride month and that means that you are either uh, you know, celebrating your queerness and following um, Rainbow Roll Call as a hashtag, or you are getting some queers in your feed, and you are all remembering that queer is not white men. So remember that, that this whole Stonewall Revolution started with black, trans, drag, queers, poor folks. Mm -hmm. So whatever myth they're telling you about the the, the larger LGBT movement, mm -hmm. remember where it came from. Yeah. Remember who we are. All right? <laughs> See you next week.